Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. Okay. All right, guys, let's grab our seats. It's good to hear you once again. Welcoming one another, loving on one another, that's what matters. So good. All right. Anybody meet someone new? Anybody make a new friend today? Anybody? Anybody just love on an old friend? Yes? All right. Christine, you met someone new? All right. That's exciting. Jessica, nice to meet you. All right. You've just met one of the most special people on the earth right there. So, um, but wow, it's, it's good to see you all today. Um, I'm wrapping up today um, our, our last rebuild uh, message of this series. I hope this has been helpful for you all. And, um, and, I, and actually, we are going to be making a rebuild booklet. There was so much stuff I couldn't preach on in the book of Nehemiah, and then so much content that we covered through the book of Nehemiah, we're actually making a booklet that you'll be able to get it in our resource center. And do you guys see the resource center out there a little bit? There's some new books if you need a good study Bible or some other books. There's some, a lot of good stuff out there starting today that you all uh, can, uh, it can benefit from and kind of add to your personal library. Um, but uh, hopefully this has been good for uh, you all as God is welcoming, welcoming us not to be complainers that point out problems, but to be solution people, right? And partner with his heart in rebuilding. So it is, uh, it is so important that we do that. I, I gotta tell you, I, I'm a little insecure standing up here today. Um, one, of the, one of the young ladies who, uh, one of, in the children's or the youth ministry uh, told me earlier, they said, uh, she said, hey, make sure your shirt is buttoned. Last week I could see your belly. And uh, so th- that is terrifying, uh, both uh, both for you, uh, and, and I, I just want to apologize that you had to see that, um, because the older I get, the more it wants to be seen, <laughs> you know? I've actually, yesterday, yesterday, my belly and I had a talk, and my love handles and everything, we, we had a good talk, and, and I just said, like, I'm declaring war on you again. I'm not going down this easy, so I'm getting older, but man, I, I, I don't want to grow that way, so, um, so we, we're just going to, we're just going to fight it out. Hopefully, you see less of, less of me and, you know, uh, and, and in lots of ways, more of Jesus, but actually less of me in these days, like, that really kicked me into high gear, uh, but, uh, so sorry about that. I, I think I am all buttoned up here, so... Uh, we, can, we can move forward, uh, hopefully powerfully. But this is the last series in the Rebuild series. And I, I just want to just tell you, you know, you can turn a while to the book of Nehemiah. I'm going to just cover actually just two verses in chapter 6. This is going to be less of a walkthrough of the book of Nehemiah. And it's going to be more of this. It's going to be what we gleaned from the book of Nehemiah and how we are activating it in Providence in this season. Okay? So we're just going to take what did we grow and I'm just going to, what did we grow in? What did we come to know? And how are we going to be uh, rolling that out at Providence? And so this is really a day I'm just going to, we're going to be sharing some family information around here. How are we rebuilding um, at Providence? And as we do that, I, I want to show you a picture because the, these pictures are near and dear to my heart, but I want to show you a picture because they actually begin a conversation on how we are not going to be rebuilding at Providence. Do we get those pictures? We have um, those on the screen, it, no? Okay, they're coming. This was a snowstorm we were in. <laughs> and uh, 
yeah, I was driving in the car and uh, the kids were screaming. Um, but uh, we, uh, we, we made it safely, thank, thank you to Jesus. Uh, so I, I, guess, I guess they're not there. Let me, let me describe, I'm gonna paint you a mental picture. Can you guys do that? So the, the first picture was a picture of, uh, probably about eight years ago when, uh, when my kids were about, uh, I don't know, two and four and I don't know, however, nine or, I can't do math today. Uh, but my kids were little and they were eating donuts uh, at the beach. And they were looking all sweet. Is it there? Yeah, there we go. So, so you see Lena there on the right, and then there's Grace in the middle, and Ethan. Ethan has almost devoured his, and he's just looking at it with love in his eyes. Do you see that? <laughs> he's like, I love you, Donut. Um, we got the old minivan there, and everybody is happy, so happy. And then there's, should be, an, uh, is there another picture there too? There's, there's just simple little pictures you'd find. There they are, a, a nice little creek. There's my little kids just looking for tadpoles in the water, being all sweet to one another. Is that great? Yeah. All right, don't you love that? You can go back to rebuild. I want to show you those because when, uh, when I look at those pictures, uh, all kinds of nostalgia comes up in my heart because I'm a dad and I love being a dad. Uh, I have loved having kids. Um, I ha I've had to learn a lot along the way, but I especially loved being at that stage right there. Uh, a stage where like, I actually liked having to have booster seats and then I actually had to buckle my kids in. I strap them down tight and I maybe blow bubbles on their, on their neck or I just say, you know, I just play around with them. And then my kids loved me for it. They weren't, didn't slap me and say, get off, you know, like in, as teenagers do. Um, but uh, I, I just, I, I love kind of helping out. I love that stage where they just want to hug and they want to cuddle and do all this stuff. They want to watch little princess movies or they want to watch like, you know, it, it was just nice cuddle times as a dad, I love being that stage. Uh, I love telling stories. I love going on trips. I loved how they could be so uh, thankful just for a donut at the beach. I love that stage. It was so good. But now I, I'm just thinking about the stage that I'm in right now as a dad. Um, I'm thinking about my son, Ethan, who's, who's going to be 16 this summer and he's going to start driving. All right. He's going to be a good driver. I'm declaring that in Jesus name. All right. And, and then I think of my daughter, Grace, who is turning 13 this month. So I'm going to have two teenagers in my house. And, and, and when I look at those pictures, I'm like, it is inconceivable that I, I could have kids that old. And then my youngest, Lena, she, uh, she turned nine in uh, January. And that means this is my last year with a child in the Herndon house in single digits. I'm about to be a parent of all double-digit children driving and going to dances and whoever knows what. And as I, as I think about this, and I, I think about how my comfort zone with being a dad of kids in booster seats and five-point harnesses that love Disney movies. And then I think about moving into a season that I've never been before, where I'm nervous. God, I don't know how to be a dad to teenagers. I was a youth pastor to hundreds of kids for a, a decade of my life. But being a parent to teenagers is way, way, way harder than pastoring them. Okay, and so as we're moving into this stage, I, I'm, I'm starting to be like, man, the, the transition here is kind of weird. And I wanna ask you a question here this morning. I think any parent, you know what I'm talking about, you know what it is to be a parent to littles and then to be a parent to bigs, all right? But I wanna ask you this question, what if rather than embracing new adventures with bigs in my house, what, what if rather than um, thinking about new adventures of growth and new challenges and new discipleship opportunities and how I can train them and how I can help shape their heart after Jesus, what if instead I just try to constantly reproduce the past? All right, what if I did that? 
What if you did that? What if you see your son that's getting ready to step into manhood, getting ready to drive cars, and instead of treating him like a man, you decide to treat him like he's seven and loves donuts? What if you do that? What if you put that on your kids? What if instead of letting them blossom and blast off and to be powerful adults in a generation, what if you just try to say, you know what, your best days are behind you. Weren't the best days when we had the minivan, we went to the beach and we ate donuts? Weren't those the best days when you're obsessed with tadpoles by streams? Weren't those the best days? Now listen, they were good days and, and they're part of our history, they're a part of our hearts. But we have to stop treating our kids and leading in such a way that our best days are behind us. Because in, in God's kingdom, our best days are always in front of us. And we have to be the kind of leaders, the kind of parents that allow people to flourish and thrive and go into the future that God has designed us to go into. Hello? As a dad, the worst thing that I could do is make my kids feel bad that they are not little anymore. I'm only learning this from experience. That's the worst thing I could do. You guys aren't little anymore, isn't it so sad? Well, actually it's not. We're treasuring up the past and we're walking into a beautiful future. As a dad, the worst thing I could do is, is try to force them back to my nostalgic comfort zone, all right? That's called selfish leadership, where I feel like I can do it the best, where I feel most comfortable, instead of growing with my children and becoming the kind of leader that they need in the season that, that they are now in. It's horrible parenting, horrible leadership. If kids are old enough to drive and we try to force them back in diapers because we just like that stage better. All right? So remember when can be beautiful when it reminds us of God's faithfulness and compels us into new adventure with him. Remember when, you know, remember when we killed the lion and the bear when we were just uh, kind of shepherding the hillside, David, King David could say? Remember when actually prepared David to kill the giant? All right, so remember when can be powerful or it can be an anchor if we refuse to move into new territory and new seasons, all right? Remember when it can, can either anchor us and keep us from higher heights and can keep us from deeper maturity and can keep us to becoming, from becoming more like Jesus or it can actually launch us into the future and get us excited about the faithful God that we knew then is going to be the faithful God that we will continue to know now and, and then and into our future. So I want you to hear this. Um, as, the, as a pastor of this church, I love the history that we have as a church, the history of Providence Community. I love it. I love thinking about thoughts of uh, us starting Providence in our living room. I love all the wild, crazy days, the disorganized days. I love the days when we're just trying to figure things out. We're all just eating. I, I, love, I love growing so much and seeing so many lives change that we're spilling out of every single room that we could find. And we can never, we had, we've had great problems all throughout the history of Providence is that we can't find rooms big enough to contain us because God's been doing great things. I, I, I love these things. I love thinking about all the people from all the history of Providence. I do, I do. I, I promise you, maybe more than anybody else. I love the history of Providence Community Church. But I just want to declare today that I am not, even for a moment, going to try to rebuild our past, okay? We've got to hear this. As we're talking about rebuild and how it directly relates to this church, I need you to be clear on this. I am not trying to resurrect the past, I am not trying to build us like we were. Okay, this is, very, this is where churches begin to uh, play tug of war. Say, no, we used to, remember when God did that? We gotta come back there. 
And then other people are like, no, God did that better, but we gotta, God's got new heights. We, let's go around the bend. Let's see what he has for us. And if you know anything about church history, that almost every single move of God, all right, denominationalized. And all they did is they just remembered what happened in the past, but they had no present or future. And now today we have, we have these beautiful facilities with no people in them, except people that are just celebrating what used to be. And I refuse to go down that lane. As a leader of the church, listen, I am honoring the past, but we're, what God is doing now may or may not look a thing like the past did. All right, we're gonna have the same heart. We're always gonna have the same passion. That's Jesus being the treasure. We're always gonna believe in the Bible. We're always gonna believe in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're always gonna believe that people are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. We're always gonna believe that Jesus is returning bodily in the flesh. We're always gonna believe those things, but it might not look exactly like it always has. God calls, in every generation, God's, God calls up uh, Levites and judges and leaders and apostles and prophets to say, hey, you've got to see this new thing on God's heart because new things on God's heart gets us out of comfort zones, the stuff that we learn to know and be comfortable with, and takes us into new maturity, new heights, new depths, where we actually have to depend on God, not just depend on what we came to know. You know, those comfort zones that we used to know, like over here, um, they were a new place before we knew them. Do you understand that? All right, and now God wants to take us, he wants to take us from glory to glory. He wants to take us deeper and higher. He wants, he wants to take us to places where we're not comfortable with our ability, but we're just, we've just thrown ourselves on his. And we say, God, I just trust you. That's what new seasons are for. So as we're talking about rebuilding Providence, you know, rebuild is really just an invitation into a new season where God is saying, hey, you guys can stay how you've always been, and you can memorialize stuff, and you can just try to repeat last year, or let's not repeat either one of the last two years, all right? Let's, let's, you, know, you can repeat you know, five years ago, uh, but, uh, but I've got something cooler. And as I'm hanging out with Jesus, I'm just saying, Jesus, I want something cooler. D don't you know that the, the world needs to know a God that is more powerful than this world? And I just, I, I'm just like something burning in my heart. Like I, I, I wanna give every last thing I have to this is I don't wanna build a church that the world looks back on and say, hey, Nathan was a good leader. I wanna, I wanna build, a, I wanna see a church build at Providence that, that nobody can understand how it happened. All the rules were broken. Every challenge, insurmountable challenge, God showed up and did miracles. We have to be that kind of church or we'll just be like another like club, right? So when we're talking about rebuilding at Providence, uh, I wanna tell you where we started. We actually started last year with our vision, mission, and values. And actually this time last year, was April last year, 2021, that I rolled out uh, a new formulated vision, mission, and values. There was nothing wrong with the old ones, except that there was too much content for anybody to actually know them. They sounded good on paper, but if we did a mic check around here and we said, what's the vision of Providence? And nobody would have been, would have been able to say, we see a church where Jesus is treasured, people are loved, compassion is extended, and you are changed. All right? Oh, what's our mission at Providence? And nobody would have, been able to, would have been able to say, we bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places. Do you hear? That's a, that's a lot of words. It is in my heart, and I still believe in it. 
all right? But we actually have to, we actually have to you know, be, have, be a church that has a vision and a mission. When we get up in the morning, we know what God's hand is on, that you don't have to walk around with a spreadsheet saying, okay, wait, <laughs> oh yeah, there we go, yeah. There's all these points, all these parts. Then we had values that were eight points long. And it was, just wasn't accessible to people. And so what we did is we said, let's boil it down more. Let's get to the heart. Let's put these things under a fire and then see what comes out. And so what is, what is really at the core of the church boiled down to one thing? That is the vision of the church. When you take the church, you boil it down, all right? And you just let all the other stuff go. If, if, we, can, if we can be after one thing, if we can go in one direction, that one direction is the vision of the church. This is where we're headed. And so we decided that at the core, when you boil us down, when you look at the direction of our hearts, when you look at God's dream on this house, what God has for us is that we would simply, emphatically be a Jesus church. A Jesus church. That is it. There's a lot of things that we could be. There's a lot of directions that we could go, but we're declaring to ourselves, our own hearts in the world and to God himself that God, we're gonna be a church that is just after you. Being a Jesus church prioritizes desire and affection and heart over doing stuff, all right? Because we, we actually define this. We say a Jesus church is this. It's, it's a church where Jesus is our focus. Jesus is our treasure. Jesus is our everything. Our, Jesus needs to be our focus in a highly distracted world when there's a lot of things, even seemingly good things that we could do, Jesus, we're cutting through all that stuff and we're gonna lock eyes with you. Jesus being our treasure, listen, this is just the gospel. This is just us saying, Jesus, we're after you because Jesus is the treasure, not you and me. You and I were saved to make much of he who is the treasure. We get to know the treasure, but we are not the treasure. So Jesus just declares that just declares that. I've left my fields, I've left everything for you. It's called repentance. Everything that I had built up, Paul shows this in Philippians chapter three beautifully. Everything that I built up in my life, the future that I thought I could have, I traded it all in just for Jesus. That is a Jesus church. And that Jesus is our everything. This is lovesick terminology. It means that he's our greatest love, our, our greatest joy. We want him over every other lover that we could have. That's a Jesus church. But then we also, we did the same thing with our mission statement. As we said, how do we just boil this down? And, and we just, with our, our mission is this, is that we build, we build people. A Jesus church builds people to look like Jesus. That's what it does, right? We build people to overflow in God's love and carry his heart. Now, this is discipleship terminology because any church that is not after discipleship isn't actually walking in the last words of Jesus where Jesus said in Matthew 28, go into all the world and not build buildings and not start Christian businesses and not, you know, wear Christian gear. But he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And then he promises his presence so we build people to overflow in God's love and to carry his heart. When we hit the streets, we better be overflowing God's love, amen? So this is discipleship. We're gonna be rooted and grounded in Christ. This is our mission. We're gonna see people built up, not torn down. We're every single person. We, I, I, you know where God loves to start in building people? It's the people that seem impossible. 
Be, oh, they would never go to church. They would never, they're an atheist. They're agnostic. They would never, they would never. God loves to find people in trees, find people in alleyways, find people in byways. In fact, Jesus tells a parable that he's, he's, there's a father inviting everybody to a wedding feast and no one would come. So the father says, go to, go to the, the dark places and invite those people, the crippled, the lame, the lepers, invite them in. That's where God loves to start. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna see people better in these days and we're not gonna give up on them. We're gonna see them build up in Jesus. That is our mission. We build people. And then our values, we took our values from eight to four. And it's the, it's the same values. We just boiled them down. Here's our values. We desire intimacy with God. We don't just want to know, know about him. We, we, we want to know him cheek to cheek, heart to heart, life to life. We want, we want to know him here. An experiential knowledge of God, not just a head knowledge, not just a, a test-taking knowledge. We don't want to ace God's exams. We, we actually want to be found in his presence. We desire intimacy with God. We live from the gospel. Value number two, we live from the gospel. We believe that God loves us though we've hated him. We believe that he's come after us though we've run away from him. We, we believe that we don't try our best to get to heaven. We believe that Jesus and Jesus alone was the only payment for our sins. We believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to change even the worst life. We live from the gospel, we live from that place, not for it. It's been given to us, we've received it, we live from it. We champion people, we don't give up on people, we love people, the old, the young, everybody in between. We used to say that we champion young people and we do, hey, 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 we do. But a Jesus church champions everybody, not just the young, not just one generation. Every generation makes a big deal of others. That's how the church, we champion people. We, we, we believe in people. We, we speak God's heart over people. Every, per, every person, whether they believe in Jesus or not, is an image bearer. Do you know that? And has value and intrinsic worth, not based on who they're following, but based on who created them. All right? And then we also say this, that we dream with God. In the, in the DNA, in the heartbeat of providence, we dream with God. We believe that God has dreams for his body and we want to walk in them. And so we started looking at that, the, our, our vision, our mission, our values. But then we actually started looking more practically and we looked at, at just this year. Is this too much for you guys? You guys okay? Still with me? And we said, God, what do you want to do in 2022? And actually the word that God gave us for 2022 was rebuild, which is what inspired this Nehemiah passage. I was in the book of Nehemiah, early mornings, getting wrecked. I grabbed a journal. I started a whole journal, just a journal what God has given me from Nehemiah. And it's like God was speaking over us. Hey, uh, I, we've come through crazy seasons, COVID, all this stuff. And I'm gonna be rebuilding you guys in a beautiful way. Do, 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 you, want, do you want a part of that? And I just said, yes, rebuild us tear us down. I don't care if it hurts. I don't care how ground level we have to go. I don't care if we have to go under the ground. Listen, rebuild us, right? And so, so he did. And so as we started inspecting providence, here were four things that God gave us that he wants us to focus on this year, okay? And, and actually all these things, let me just take this moment to do this. All these things we put in this little booklet, 
All right. If you're a leader at Providence, this is absolutely mandatory. It's free. We're not selling these. But this is, this is so, so important. You have to have one of those and be very familiar because we can't play tug of war church anymore. Like th this, this is who we are. This is where we're going. And we have to do it together. It'll be much funner. All right. All right. So, um, but uh, you can actually get these at the, at the Connection Center. If you're a leader, it's free. Uh, if you're not a leader at Providence, $150. Make those checks payable. <laughs> To actually, write them to my wife, that's Adrian Herndon. At, no, anyway, that, they're, uh, they're, they're free for everybody. We just want you to, to have them. But here's, here's the four things that we're focusing on um, this year and, and, and making them kind of our plan for the year, rebuilding. So we're rebuilding prayer, okay? What, when you ask Jesus what his dream for his people is, Jesus volunteers that information in the scriptures just readily. And he says, my father's looking for a house to be a house of prayer. All right. And before the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, the Holy Spirit uh, resided on a few people here and there, but just always in the Holy of Holies. And now since, since the cross, the veil that, that kept regular people from the presence of God was actually torn from top to bottom by an angel symbolically saying, all access pass to behind the scenes me, God says. And now, now the, the, the people of God are the temple of God. And the, the temple in, in David's time was the center of everything. Wherever the, wherever the presence of God was, that's where everything was based out of, all right? And did you know that David spent roughly $1 billion per year on Levites and priests and all of the, all the ministry unto God in the house of God. The government was completely built around the house of God. A billion dollars per year on worship, worship leaders, services in a place. Like I love us getting out, but if, if what doesn't, but if we're getting out, having never been in, the presence of God, we will have nothing to take to the streets. We have to be people of the presence of God being sent out. It starts there. So we have to be people of prayer. We have to be people of worship. We have to be people um, that say, hey God, it's not what style of worship do I want. We have, the American church has marketed worship like it is the genre of music. And it's the wrong question. It's not what kind of worship do you want? The real question is, God, what kind of worship do you want? How do you want me? This is not about, worship is not about styles. Worship is not about personalities. Well, I'm just more reserved, so I don't really, you know, I, I'll kind of do this. Well, don't ask me to go two-hand. Well, I'm not asking you to do a thing, all right? The question is, is that all God wants? Okay? So God's, God, th these are gonna be days as we're getting into his presence and we actually be, learn what it is to be a, a dwelling place for God and a people of his presence and a people of prayer, right? We're gonna start learning, God, what do you want? And he's gonna be taking the lid off of a lot of our worship. He's gonna be calling us to crazier places. And I really believe that there's gonna be some people that are kind of wild, but not deep, that are gonna go deep. And I think there's some people that are deep, but not wild, that are gonna start going crazy, all right? And I really believe that like whatever spectrum you're on, that can't be your identity. You, you have to take new territory in this area. You have to. 
So I think that God is, when we're saying that, that we're focusing on prayer this year, we're, we're focusing on building a dwelling place, a, a Levitical lifestyle where we operate from God's presence, not for God's approval, from God's presence. So uh, Jesus shared his dream for his people. I already said that. That Jesus' dream is that his people would no longer just be a place, but, that, but his people would be a house of prayer. And we would live lives in that direction. And that's why we have a prayer room at Providence. And the prayer room, we're getting more organized with it. People like uh, Tyler Hornberger and people like uh, Nick and Rose Rector, they're beginning to actually schedule and organize prayer. And that's why Holy Week, leading up to Resurrection Sunday, okay? That's why from four to five, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're just gonna, we're inviting you all just to gather and to pray for the glory of God to be revealed in this generation, to pray for souls to be open to Jesus, to pray for repentance, that we would lay down small lovers and loves and that we would just embrace Jesus through faith. We're just, we're just gonna gather to prayer and say, oh, that doesn't really work with my schedule. What I'm asking us to do this year as people of prayer is to rearrange our schedules around the presence, not the presence around your schedule. And that we would just, if you have to get up early, well, I'm not an early bird. We'll become one. Just whatever. We have to begin to meet with God or we're going nowhere extremely fast. So uh, the Halsteads are doing a beautiful job building a prayer team that ministers and training them. All right. So we're, we're dedicating place, places for prayer. We're wrapping good kingdom scheduling and organization around it. And we're unleashing some of our best people to actually train people in these areas. And so that's something that we're doing. You like that? We're rebuilding in that way. Like, I'm, aren't you sick of talking about prayer? Don't you actually want to do it and be a part of it? Yeah. Right? But we're also doing this. Hey, well, let me say this, that success in prayer for us, for us is not attendance, but dependence. Okay, so it's just if a whole bunch of people come out, and so we have attendance, but that whole bunch of people are not dependent on God in prayer as a lifestyle, that will not be, a, like, that will not be good, measurable fruit for us. When we as a church begin to literally, radically depend on God, man, that, that, is, that is kingdom fruit that we're going to eat from, all right? So, so prayer, but care. Care is, a, is another thing that we are rebuilding into Providence. Um, you know, in, in the charismatic world, you have a lot of people say, well, we're apostolic sending people. And we don't really care for people. We just send people and we send people. Well, that is great, but that is not church. You can be an apostolic sending whatever you want, but just don't call it church, all right? Because churches care for people. Churches shepherd people. Churches don't just send and not give a rip about how people are actually doing or connecting them into family or getting them in a small group or a community group like we want to call it around here. Like that is what a church does. And so if God's called you to be a prophet or an apostle and just go out and just send, send, send and go, 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 do it. But you better be connected to an actual real life, Holy Spirit filled church that is a safe place for you to come back for and be cared on. All right. That is, that is how it works, guys. So we want to rebuild broken places in people. Isn't that really what care is? So how are we going to begin caring for people this year, and how have we already? Well, I mentioned community groups, but community groups are a huge way. We have two here, real life community groups, and we've got a bunch of Bible studies and stuff like that. I want to say community groups, listen, 
So many people feel like I couldn't lead a small group or whatever you call it, a community group, because I'm not a good teacher. Well, let, let, me, let me just brighten your day, okay? Groups at Providence are not going to be built around the teaching gift, all right? Groups at Providence are going to be built around the hospitality gift. People that know how to make hummus like that. People that are at a soccer game, and they start seeing people around, and people start saying, I'm hungry, and suddenly sliced apples peeled oranges and hummus with gluten-free crackers appear on a blanket. It's like, what in the world is this? Those are the people, people that actually know how to eat, play cards, have fun, all right? You can stay at their house till midnight and you can, you can make the refrigerator yours. Those are the people we're building community groups with, all right? And then what we're doing is, is when family starts happening and people start loving each other, having a good time together, which is a kingdom thing, all right? It is not unbiblical to laugh and play with brothers and sisters, okay? And as people start having a good time together, then we start wrestling with real issues. We're also building a teaching team at Providence that can go into those groups that are already participating and belonging in family and can teach on certain things. But the teacher who just loves to communicate information won't mess up the community, which is what they love to do, <laughs> all right? Everything's gotta be the word. Everything is not just about the word. That's a part of the pie. But the community of believers is not just about getting into the scripture. It's also about caring for one another, loving on one another. If someone's in the hospital, you go there. That's what the word teaches us to do. We better start doing it, right? So, so community groups, family ministries. This would be men's ministry, women's ministry, um, young adult ministry. Can we get a shout out for Pravya, anybody? Can somebody say hello? All right. Young marrieds, um, and uh, I know I'm uh, pre-marriage, all right? All the, with family ministries, Chris Dupre is kind of leading the charge in, in this area with family ministries, and we want this to be a, a place where people get prepared and cared for in their, uh, in their place in life, in their station in life, so to speak. Building great marriages, super, super, super important, guys, and we want to do that. Men, women, young marrieds. Everybody, young adults, I think you're going to be one of the tips of the spear, one of the tips of the arrows in this generation. That God, there's so much stuff, Gen Z and all this stuff, and we kind of talk about hate. I see the potential in Gen Z that Gen Z isn't going to settle with forms. They want the real deal. And I see Gen Z going after it, and we want to follow you. Just lead. So also this, uh, connection and follow-up. If you don't get a seat at the table, we can't care for you. So if you're new and you're here, don't be angry that we didn't call you back. We, 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 we just didn't know your number, all right? So if you're new and you're here, the Connection Center is a very happy place for you just to leave whatever you're comfortable with, but we wanna get to know you. We wanna help you, that's it. We're not gonna prank call you. Well, the worship ministry might, uh, but uh, we, uh, we, 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 want, we just, we, we wanna help you. We wanna, we wanna connect you and get you a seat at the table. We wanna follow up with you. And if one time was enough for you, we just wanna bless you because you came to Providence once and we want, we want you to know that you're seen and that you're loved. Okay, um, soul care, this is huge, massively huge, because in, in the evangelical conservative church, we have cared for people's brains, and we've taught them stuff with flannel graphs and all kinds of wonderful things, and that is important. But what we haven't done is actually care for people's souls. And we haven't, uh, Steve S. Palmer is speaking on healing. You should go to that. 
Because what happens is you can teach somebody how to throw a baseball all you want in a classroom, but if they have a broken arm, no matter how much information you give them, they won't be able to throw the ball until they heal. And so the church, if we're talking about discipleship, we have to disciple people towards health in order for them to be whole. And that, so we are unashamedly soul care people here, caring for the soul as well as the heart and the mind and everything else. All right, online church ministry. There's hundreds of people that follow us on YouTube and Facebook and wherever else. And you know what, you know what I've done? Is I've just kind of like, I've said, oh, that's not real church. And I've just moved on. I'm just gonna, the people that show up, they're the people I'm gonna really focus on until the Holy Spirit said, but I care about those people online. And so we actually wanna start saying, hey, if there's people that are with us online, we wanna care for them. We wanna be Jesus to them. How do we do that? This year, we're gonna, we're gonna take strides and leaps and steps in that direction. And then a, a defined and unified direction in discipleship. What is discipleship? What is a biblical definition of discipleship? How do we see that lived out? That it, it, it is all in here, okay? We've been working on this for years, and now we have something on paper that we actually know how we do it as a house, and we're gonna rally around it and keep going in that direction. Sound fun times? All right, here's, here's two more. I, I'll spend a little bit of less time on these two just for time's sake. But um, administration is something that we're gonna get better at this year, and we actually are. Do you know that last week we said bye to Julie? Isn't she sweet, right? And she's wonderful. Julie's been the face of most of the administration at Providence for too long. And she was doing too much as one person. And we celebrate her because she's someone that could do way too much and handle it. But that's not healthy. Okay, you know what's healthy? 40 Julies, all sharing the load and working together. And then a church that actually values what they bring to the body behind the scenes, bringing order. Wherever there's chaos, administrators come in and they bring order to that. The, the kingdom of God is not chaotic. Did you know that? The kingdom of God is administrated well. And I want Providence to be administrated well. Healthy organizational structures, administrative team building, um, re redeveloping our, our deacons ministry and our missions ministry. Those are things that we're doing. Redeveloping what does our website do, our app do, our social media development. And I, I don't know if you've noticed, but the, our app and our website uh, have been um, rebuilt by Phil Payne. And he's done a beautiful job with his team. And we are just moving some in that direction. But uh, supporting structures that handle weight of ministry behind the scenes. And they, they may not never ever be here, but they are equally, if not more important behind the scenes, creating structures where people can stand. And so we're going to get better at administration. And then we're going to get better at communication. Um, dreaming and planning has never been a weakness at Providence. All throughout the years, we've had dreams, we've had dreams. Communicating those dreams in ways that are, that are more than just a quick conversation or an announcement has been a weakness. Okay. So we can't go awesome places when, when we just did itty bitty teeny weeny announcements on it. So we're gonna get better at taking vision and taking planning and actually communicating the vision and the plan so it's accessible to everybody. I know someone, I'm somebody that can paint pictures with my mind, but sometimes I have to take that out of the stratosphere and I have to actually put it on paper and I have to be like, see? I'm like, oh, thank you. We're putting things on paper. Habakkuk chapter two, Verses two and three, um, Nick Rector actually called me randomly one day. We're driving down the road. He said, Nathan, Habakkuk chapter two, two and three, where basically the Holy Spirit was saying to Habakkuk, take the vision and write it down. And that is what we're doing in these days. We're taking, we're putting, we're, we're dedicating to paper 
for communication sake so we can all move together and it's going to be fun. So our discipleship process, our, our vision, our mission, our, our strategy, our values, even, do you know what we have now? We actually, um, we actually looked at 2022 and all the stuff that's happening in 2022, and we, we actually put it all on a 2022 calendar, guys. Are you, are you <laughs> like, this is a huge step for us. Like, wow. So we're not just in a meeting getting inspiration, saying, well, that's going to happen in three weeks. We're like, we can do it. Let's rally. Everybody's exhausted. There's not good communication. We've done that too much. We're actually, when it's see the end from the beginning and we want to work there. We're not going to do it with perfection, but we are going in that direction. All right. Here's one thing to communicate. If you come in the back entrance at Providence, you'll see a, uh, a softball field going in. All right. Um, I, I, want to, I want to be clear on this because this is because of the lack of communication on our side. It's not that we didn't want to communicate it. It's just that we've had uh, we've only known for six weeks that Julie was leaving, so we wanted to communicate that well. Lots of, you know, new things happening and rearrangements and leadership. So we prioritized all of that communication and not a softball field, but it made a lot of people nervous that were just like, I don't know, taking money from uh, missions or something and just throwing it at a field. That's not what we've done at all. Uh, Jordan Ilias and his team have donated all their time and equipment to put that in for free. And then four community sponsors are putting in the, the backdrop, that backdrop backboard for, uh, for Providence so we can actually host Little League, so we can actually host the church league that happens, and so we can actually host people that will come to a softball game or a baseball game for their kids or loved ones, just not here. And we're going to go out there with hummus, and we're going to get them really good, all right? You're going to say, you know how powerful Jesus is? Watch this. Whoa, wah! You see this? What do you need? You, oh, you need some watermelon? Ha, <laughs> ha, You know? We're just going to love on these people. And uh, so that's what it, it's about relationship, guys. And so if a, uh, if a softball field that, that was installed for free because of the, of the generosity of a few can do that, we're gonna say amen to that. And we're gonna green light that and thumbs up. Do you know, um, we have made such a great relationship with the, with the Spring Grove School District now, okay? And here's why. It's because we sold cakes and bakery items and we handed them a massive check for $8,800. All right, now they love us. I, I, I don't get it. But what they did is they came up on the hill just to thank us at a staff meeting. And, uh, and I walked them around here. They were just so blessed. Um, and before they left, I said, what's next? They're like, what do you mean what's next? I said, what else do you need? We gave you $8,800, but what's the next thing that you need? And they said, we need practice fields. I said, well, we've got 70 acres up here. Would this be a good spot for them? They're like, yes. Guys, guys, this is what we have to do, all right? really, really good. So I want you to, do you have your Bibles open to Nehemiah? My last three minutes, I want to show you this. Um, this is going to be some powerful preaching right here, all right? But Nehemiah chapter 6, um, verse 15 says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elul in 52 days. And when our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Now, the reason I'm, I'm reading this is, is not because I, I wanna have enemies. That's not it, I don't wanna have enemies. I'm willing to, but I don't want to, all right? And it's not because I, I want people to uh, uh, be afraid of us or you know, to, to fall in their own esteem, or it's, it's not that. The reason I'm saying this is because I want anybody who looks at this church to perceive 
that God did this, not people. All right? So when, when we do what everybody else said was absolutely impossible, all right? And when we do, in the, in the mix of all the hardships and all these days, in the mix of all the tension, in the mix of all the stuff and the wars and the rumors of wars and, and the, the crazy historical time period that we're living in, I want, I want the world to look and say, that church isn't yelling at people. That church is not angry at people. That church is loving people, broken for people. That church is actually bringing solutions, not criticisms. That church is actually building something that no human being could ever build on their own. Like, Wow, like God must be among those people. So the, the better we build in these days, with, the, the more we say, God, what is your hand on? And we just wanna work with all of our hearts together in unity with what your hand is on. The more that we do that, the more that we're gonna see the glory of God go out. We're gonna see the lost saved. We're gonna see the sick healed. We're gonna see people that were the furthest off coming to the table, getting saved, entering into the kingdom by Jesus. And that is the kind of church I wanna be a part of. The kind of church, when we look back on our history, we don't, have, we don't just have good planning, but we have miracles to celebrate, guys. We, we actually have stuff where God showed up beyond our ability to plan or dream. And God showed up and did the impossible. And then we are the kind of church that says, you know what, we're a Jesus church. You know what a Jesus church does? Gives all the honor and glory to Jesus, and we're just glad to be a part of it. We're glad to be number two in the kingdom. We're glad to be the people at his feet. We're glad to be the, the people in the, in, the, in the choir. We're glad to be, you know we're having a choir on Easter Sunday here, like 30 people up on this stage, you know that? Like that is, when you look at that, say, that's where I wanna be. And then Jesus on the throne, not me, Jesus on the throne. And I just wanna be a part of the, of the grand worship, enjoying him and celebrating him. And it has to start right now. Wait, he has to be what's famous in a generation. And that's what a Jesus church does, brings fame, the fame of the name of Jesus with all, all power to the world. Amen. Um, I ended right on time. Come on, let's, let's give the Lord uh, some miraculous praise here. <laughs> so, hey, let's do this. Can we stand to our feet? And can we just put our, our hands out in receiving posture? And can we just say this, Jesus, we want to be a Jesus church. We want to be a house that brings you glory. I just, just begin to, in your own words, tell him your heart's desire just to be a part of him. Tell how honored you are to be sons and daughters in his house. And now, now God, just as a church, we, we, uh, we just tell him right now what, what you're sorry for, things that have gotten in the way, even today, things that have gotten in the way where he has not been first in your heart. Just say, God, we're sorry for this. And we, we just lay those things at your feet because of your grace. And we just come back to you today. God, we bless you. Lord, I just pray that you, you download fresh dreams. I pray, God, that you download uh, fresh gratitude in our hearts for all the things that you've done in the past, but new resolve to do something great and new that brings fame to Jesus, changes people's lives, makes much of you. God, we just bless you. I thank you for this church. I thank you that uh, you've got great plans in your heart for us, but I thank you mostly that we just get to be a part of you. And we just say, God, we're content right there. We're satisfied just in your presence. We just want you. We bless you. We bless you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.